Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead. Take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everyone, welcome to the Earn 5 Star Podcast. I'm your host, Joshua Voles, Site Manager, Emperor, Supreme Warlord, and Defender of the Faith over at OneFootDown.com. And hey, we got something new for you guys. Uh, you know that we don't do very many interviews. Uh, we just, we do our own thing, uh, and we talk about it for about three hours uh, every show. But because we talk so much uh, about the national college football landscape and, and all that stuff, I figured, what better time than the offseason than to start looking around the country, to, uh, you know, for some other thoughts, some other viewpoints, uh, and quite frankly, people that know more than we do, uh, not just about the teams that they cover, but maybe about about college football itself. Uh, and so we're going to do that uh, as much as we can over this off season. And I couldn't have thought of a better guest, if I do say so myself, uh, to kick this all off uh, than with Ryan Nanny with the Shutdown Fullcast. So Brennan and I had uh, had a chance to sit down with him and and uh, talk a little college football. So here you go. All right. And joining Brendan and I, the man, Ryan Nanny at Celebrity Hot Tub from the Shutdown Fullcast. What's up, bud? Uh, I come I come in peace. I come without any of the anti-Notre Dame reservations that some of my co-hosts <laughs> may loudly declare. I'm here as a, as a friend and an emissary, and I mean you no harm. One of these days, I'm going to have big enough balls to ask Holly to come on the show. But I'm going to have to be really drunk and really brave. <laughs> I mean, you can ask. That doesn't mean she'll show up, but you Listen, can ask. She has bitch slapped me on about every interaction we've ever had. Uh, 
and she's been right each time, but it's been harsh. It's been harsh. Yeah. Like, man, I, I do not want a piece of that. I do yeah. not. Yeah, that is correct. You have, you've come to the correct conclusion. <laughs> so, you know, just a little taste there. Ah, oh, well, we're, I mean, we are, we are, we just said our last, uh, our last show, we are now completely done with the 2022 college football cycle. Now that the draft is done and all the stupid NFL people got their dumb takes cause they don't watch college football out of the way. Um, and now we're start we're starting fresh with 2023. It's the off season, and it just gives us a chance to like talk about talk about college football and how stupid it is and how stupid it, it can be if we just would let it, um, which makes it more fun. Uh, so what I want to ask, get right off the bat, is in my own theory is college football probably peaked. Our college football probably peaked around 2012, unfortunately for Notre Dame fans. Because it was pre pre playoff, uh, pre all this other stuff. Like I'm not opposed to NIL at all. I'm not opposed to the transfer portal at all. So this has nothing to do with that. But just the general way that they want to, everyone wants to gear this thing towards like being more like an NFL model with all the with these playoffs and everything needs to be evened up. And it's like, why can't we just have crazy shit? Why can't we talk about the Mac all the time? Why can't you know why isn't this why isn't the fun belt more of a thing? And I think, you know, it used to be, and now it's just keeps gearing more and more just towards the last few games of the season, right? which is a detriment to the entire sport and how it was built. Yeah. I mean, there, there are a lot of, I, I don't know, picking like where the peak is or was seems impossible and seems oh, incredibly yeah. subjective, but like, I think you may be right that it's somewhere, you know, like to me, I think of, uh, that crazy Auburn run where you have the pick six, uh, the kick six rather right after um, the miracle to beat Georgia, the, the, you know, the tip ball, the tip ball. Yeah. 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 And I'm like, that felt pretty good too. That was pretty like wild. And we still see glimpses of it from time. Like, I don't, I don't know what your perspective on it was, but the TCU Michigan semifinal this year was bananas. Loved it. It was, loved it. It was good. It was good. We loved well, it. For, <laughs> I loved it because it was Michigan shitting their pants. Yes. Uh, yes. Sure. Yes. We loved it. Um, it was a good. It was. It was actually a good game, which is a surprise for once. Yes. And the fact that and the fact that TCU lost by like ninety to Georgia just makes Michigan losing to them even that much sweeter. Um, so I mean that was that was all good fun. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think ultimately, what what has happened here is that. If you want to blame somebody, I think you can probably blame the SEC. I think that's just the easiest thing to do because the SEC was the first conference that sort of said, okay, we're going to take the established sort of rules and etiquette of what college football is, and we're going to kind of throw them out in the interest of pursuing football greatness at at any cost is like a little more – a little more aggressive than I mean, but like, you know, I, 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 I talked about this guy. This was a while ago. If you look back at like nineties, Alabama rosters, including when they won a national championship, those rosters are like mostly high schoolers from Alabama or from like Louisiana or Georgia or something like that. And maybe occasionally very, very, like very regional, extremely regional, extremely regional. But Urban Meyer is one of the first people who starts this up of sort of saying like, nope, recruiting is going national. 
And once recruiting goes national, I feel like everything else sort of like disintegrates around it. Because if recruiting is national, well, like, what's the point of like conference cohesion? If, if the Big Ten needs to recruit California now, well, why not go get USC and UCLA? Who, like, who, who cares at this point? If Georgia needs to recruit Texas now, well, yeah, let's go get Texas and Oklahoma. So, so I look at that as like, and I don't even think that's a bad thing necessarily, but I think that is like a, a, a pretty seismic thing ultimately because what that did, and I'm going to stop rambling here in just a sec, I promise. What that oh, did was sort on. of like <laughs> the SEC oh. sort of was like, okay, we have a nuclear sub now. And everybody else in college football was like, well, shit. Our sailboats suck now. They they were awesome for so long, and now you kind of fall into two categories. Are you pursuing and can you afford a nuclear sub, which is the SEC and the Big Ten and, like, question mark Big 12 ACC, I would say. No, uh, don't say the ACC. <laughs> I, like, like, listen, listen. The ACC, I'm putting so many question marks on it, but, like, I, I can see a path. It's not a great one, but I can see it. I, but then everybody else is just sort of like, yeah, you're broke now. And so we don't really give a shit about it. <laughs> see, I think you're being a little too too generous okay. to the ACC or to the uh, SEC conference as a whole because I, I, I – or the SEC because I, I don't think that the issue stems from the conference as much as it stems from Nick Saban himself. And it's, <laughs> it, it's funny that – that Josh points to 2012 as being sort of his, um, you know, apex moment for when yeah. college football stopped being fun because that was the established that start <laughs> of the Nick Saban dynasty. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That That's when the entire world acknowledged, all right, this is, this is Alabama's world and we're living in it. Um, and even now with what George is doing, that's still a continuation, Right of Nick Saban and what he's done to in the a way. Sport. Yeah, sure. Yeah. In the college football playoff, if you, the reason they fast tracked the college football playoff was in part a knee jerk reaction to kind of the dominance that was happening in the sport with just one school. Right. Basically the, the national title ran through the state of Alabama from what? 2009 to 2000 and, 13 right even 13 it ran through alabama with right. auburn right yeah yeah so i think that a lot of it can be sort of placed on nick saban perfecting how to operate in the current landscape and you know kirby smart obviously continuing on with that and everybody's just everybody's playing catch up because outside of that lsu season um where they found lightning in a bottle with joe burrow i mean what is the non Nick Saban, uh, you know, squad in the, the SEC done since urban left Florida? Yeah. I mean, the answer is not much. The, the answer is like Auburn has had a couple interesting seasons, not recently. Uh, and Georgia, obviously most recently with back to backs. The problem I have with putting it all at the feet of Nick Saban is that college football has had dynasties of this ilk before. Like this is what, Nebraska was for a long time. This is what like Miami was for a while. This is what USC was not all that long ago. You, right. it's not like we didn't see, uh, and, and, and it's not like we didn't crown programs and say, Oh, 
this is like an unstoppable killing machine and everybody else in the sport is playing catch up. Now I will grant you Alabama has done it longer and more effectively than most of those others, or at least in a different, like doing it in a different context for sure. Cause Nebraska had the three, the three titles in the nineties, right? They had the, the, but you know, what was it? 94, 95, 97. I think. Yes, I think. I think that's right. Yes. But I mean, Alabama had that by 2012, and they yeah. were just, they're just getting started, right? Right, right, right. I mean, does it does it scare the living shit out of you that at every turn, at every change uh, in college football, like the major way we operate, like like with NIL, different recruiting rules and all that, at every turn you have Nick Saban telling <laughs> telling the the rule makers, you don't want to do this, like don't do this. <sighs> And then they do it, and then he just does it better than everybody else except for what has been Kirby Smart. And it's just like he's been prophetic. He's like, you don't want to do this. This is going to do that. And then he proves him right by playing within the – like he doesn't like it, but he's not an idiot. He he plays within – he plays with the tools that they give him. Yes, he is – He is. I, I guess my view on it is – scares the shit out of me. My view on it is like Nick Saban is uh, – surprisingly adaptable both in terms of like what he's done schematically over, over the years, how he has adjusted to rule changes and recruiting changes and, you know, the playoff and this, that like Nick Saban has largely not been caught. It has not been dinosaured by any of this. All these are things that you would think a man of his age and of his sort of like old fashionedness in some way would eventually yeah, his, his entire background really. Right. Right. You would think eventually he would sort of, it, something would be like, Oh, well, Nick decided NIL is, uh, is just not what college football needs. And as a result, Bama's getting left. Like, no, I think he has his eye on the ball at all times. Um, now I think the tricky thing is whether, a lot of these changes are also are, are opening up the playing field, not in like a big way. Like I don't think this is the kind of thing where it's like, oh, well, you know, we've got 30 teams that can win the national championship at this point. I mean, but, TCU was in the championship game. They were. Well, were they? Were they? <laughs> they, they yeah, <laughs> Somebody. Yeah, yeah. Their uniforms arrived. Wikipedia confirms that they were. Um, but like. Alabama lost to Tennessee, and that's not a thing that Alabama do. Most of the time, Alabama doesn't even look, you know, bothered by Tennessee. And they've struggled uh, with some bad A and M yes. teams the last two years, right? Yep. yep. Nearly lost to Texas uh, last year. Um, there are, you know, the I, here's what I can't decide: the legend of Nick Saban and Alabama is so well established at this point that most people are afraid to point out flaws and to point out um, missteps because they make you look like a jackass. Like they are the freezing cold takes machine. That's the, the, uh, the solid verbal zombie Alabama, right? I mean, how many times have, has somebody shoveled dirt on the Alabama dynasty and said, this is done. You know, we can move on. And it's like, whoops, they won two more national titles. Yeah, yeah I mean, it's Ole Miss and Hugh Freeze presumably ended uh, Nick Saban's run. Yes, right, <laughs> right. I mean, right. that that was a thing right. that happened. Right, right. 
Um, I, I guess I'm curious then yeah. spinning that then um, from a more national perspective. I mean, we, we internally have our own takes here. Uh, what do you think about Nick Saban going with Tommy Reese and then going with Tyler Buckner as his quarterback for this upcoming season? <sighs> Because uh, we'll tell you, we'll tell you right now, right? We are yeah. just knowing Tommy Reese, yeah, and knowing kind of how, the, like, we don't think there's any way Buckner goes to Bama without a little bit more than a foot in the door for the starting job. Like he knows the offense; it's not a thing. Yeah, but Tommy Reese's offense isn't complicated. It's like 20 plays out of 100 different formations and 500 different motions. I mean, it's it's simple, but it it looks tricky because he does a bunch of dumb stuff. He's amazing scared. Uh, but, yeah. but Buckner knows it. He's been in the system for a couple of years. Yeah. Just looking at what Alabama has, we're just we're we're kind of convinced in a way that this probably is going to happen. And just for Notre Dame fans who have wanted Tommy Reese gone uh, out the door and were not happy at all with Buckner, this is a little comical looking at the you know big bad Alabama uh-huh. yeah. with Tommy Reese and 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 Tyler Buckner at the helm. I mean, what's I guess what is everybody else? What's your view? What's 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 a what's a non Notre Dame view about this? So let's let's take them in pieces. Let's start with Tommy Reese. Like I, that it. I will admit, like him getting that job is amusing to me for a variety of reasons. But if you're asking me, like, what do I sort of like interpret it to mean? I don't know. So many people have have been the OC at Bama. And so many, like, very rarely do you look and be like, ah, yes, Alabama, like, anointed their chosen offensive coordinator from all of college football. You know, they, they there was a while where it was just like they're taking retreads. They're taking smart retreads who, like, know how to uh, put together an offensive scheme and call plays and all that. But, like, it was, nobody was like, Oh wow. They got Sark. That's like, Oh boy, that's next level. Like at the time it was just sort of like, yep, it's the, the Alabama school for troubled boys. Um, <laughs> yeah. I mean, you had Lane Kiffin, right. Who yeah. had Joey Freshwater. Right. Um, right. And then, and then Sark. Sark who had his own drinking demons. Yes. Right. And then Bill O'Brien, and Bill who, O'Brien, like didn't, whose demons were mostly, uh, I was a terrible Texans GM. Uh, on top of being a mediocre Texans coach. Um, and and you could fit your entire pinky finger all the way into his chin, the whole yes, way in. Yes, I don't know if yes, you've ever looked into yes. the, the the void that is his chin hole. Yeah, you can put a baby terrifying. kangaroo in there if you need to. Just yeah, a little Joey. <laughs> sit right yeah. in there. Um, so like that part of it, I don't like I don't have a read on it because just like Nick has Alabama has established that a lot of different people from a lot of sort of different styles and backgrounds can hold can hold that job. The quarterback part of it is interesting because I agree with I, I agree with you you that it feels like you wouldn't transfer at this time to this program if you didn't at least have a good sense of like, okay, I have a, I have a good shot at the, at like a real shot. Not just, not just a, yeah, not just a, not just say, Oh, every job is open in the spring. No, like an actual shot at QB one. And what's fascinating about that is, you know, you look at a lot of these, uh, a lot of the other dynasties that, or, or, um, 
wannabe dynasties in college football. And one of the things that becomes the stumbling block for a lot of them is they miss on a quarterback. Like that is most recently what has been, yes, a hundred percent took it right out of my mouth. Like Clemson, Clemson missing on a quarterback is, is a big part. It's not the only part. They have some other issues as well, but it's a big part of why, like they have not been at the level that they were. Um, Bama had, you know, for years sort of ran a scheme where it was like, well, we don't didn't matter. It. Yeah. It wasn't that important. We're going to run this running back 40 times. Yes. Yes. We have any number of insanely strong and fast halfbacks and we have three of them this year. And so, yeah, we're going to throw the ball 20 times game at most. And it's mostly, you know, it's going to be safe, short throws, whatever. Um, but you look at Bama and sort of say like, okay, well, they have they have to replace a other not just not just replace a quarterback. They have to replace a super talented quarterback, who was also not surrounded by the level of receiving firepower that we no. have been accustomed to see from Alabama. You put these things together with a new OC, and I think this is like for the first time in a while, it's like I'm not necessarily saying oh. Bama's offense is going to suck, but I have some questions. I have, I, I would like, there's some things I would like to see before I just assume it's going to be able to churn out points the way it has in the last few years. So I want to, I want to dip into the ACC since we did bring up Clemson. Cause I was, yeah. I, was, I was, I really was just about to ask you that too, is it kind of feels like Clemson is in the, in a, in position to like start go on the decline. And I'm not, you know, we've talked about it before in our podcast. Like I'm not ready to like crown Florida state as like the new, the new king of the ACC. Yeah. But you know, they do seem like they were up and coming. They have a quarterback right now, which is more than I can say about Clemson at the, you know, but I mean, is that like, are we ready to, can we move in that direction? Like it wasn't like Clemson was like it. Dabo was there for what? Four years before. 15 before they get the before things yeah. got, got, yeah. I mean, it's just, yeah. Like the, the Taj point on, years more or less. He hit on a, on a, like you said, he hit on a number of quarterbacks Yeah, and it wasn't like their offense, their offensive lines are not good. You can just go look, look at the NFL draft mm-hmm. for that. I mean, it's just, they had a, a great quarterback, Deshaun Watson, Trevor Lawrence, and you had a nice run as that pretty much. I mean, can we put Clemson back in the, uh, in the, in the good box rather than, as the, as a team to beat, you know, what's interesting, I think about Clemson's sort of rise is that in many ways, and I think this ends up being true of a lot of college football teams. Like I was thinking about this with, um, uh, I want to say it was chip Kelly at or when he first got going to Oregon, a lot of times when you see a program sort of like make the jump and start to become, dominant or dominant adjacent kind of coincidentally the conference or the division that they're in is, is kind of having a downtime is, is on a downslide. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, like, I think that's how Stanford it, got going, right? Yes. Yes. Like the, the, the North when Stanford uh, under Jim Harbaugh started getting going, like Oregon was a thing, but like, uh, you know, the other California schools that they were playing were all, on a downslope. And and this is, that's fine. You sort of, the nature of this is you have to take advantage when the competition right. is down. 
but it can create sort of um, not fool's gold, but something but like a, fa- a false a false sense of security. For yes, the, yes, for that for those yes, fans. Yes, like, yes, I mean Notre Dame has not lost a regular season ACC game since two thousand and seventeen. 17 or 17. Right. Yeah. 17. The Miami massacre. Miami, Miami. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's just a long period of time just to keep trouncing these ACC teams. And, you know, we play five, six of them a year. And it's just like, this is not, this is why I keep saying like, if, if it ends up being conference wise, I want, I want the hell out of this ACC deal. Cause it's just, Hey, it's no fun. None of these things have any historic ties. The teams are bad and we just keep beating them over and over and over again. The, yeah. The records are great, but it's just, isn't, it isn't interesting enough for me, like the entire ACC is just uninteresting. Like they tried to talk North Carolina up for years. Mm-hmm. And they got, they, they've had a few players and now they got Drake may, but, the, but overall it's still not a good football program. Like there are so many holes on all these teams. They might have a player or two, but there's just holes. And Clemson is a more complete team has been a more complete team in the conference, you know, throughout this whole time. Like, it- yeah, and, and I'm not sure I'm ready to to crown Florida State anything. I don't no, I, no, no, like no. the the national narrative on Florida State being this up and coming team cracks me up. When if you watched Florida State last year, like it was a special teams disaster for them to get uh, that dub against Brian Kelly. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, which I loved. I loved seeing Brian. Yeah, it was Kelly fantastic. Cost it was Brian fantastic game. Um, but I mean, the fact that they struggled with, with Louisville and they lost to wake, they lost to NC state, they lost to Clemson. Um, they lost to Florida in a game that, you know, Richardson could not have played a worse. No, they beat, half. They, they beat Florida, but barely. I mean, Anthony Richardson played the worst second half of quarterback <laughs> that I have seen since yeah. Notre Dame held on to victory against. Uh, well, hey, that's it. That's that's the Colts USC. franchise player, buddy. Right. That's right. I mean, it was it was a brutal watch for that second half. Mm-hmm. And like, I'm not ready to crown Florida State anything just because, I mean, they beat, you know, Oklahoma in a cheese it bowl. So in a game that wasn't an, an Oklahoma game that was an underperformer and a game that was similarly like I there's not. Yeah, I just I mean, they went 10 and three, which I mean, Notre Dame went nine and four. So that's that's not great. Uh, neither team had a great season, but like Florida State's get, I, I think people are very excited to insert fresh blood into the ACC. So I think Florida State's um, getting some of that love in the early preseason. Yeah. Uh, but I, yeah, I, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I mean the, look, the good news is you're going to know, you're going to know before October because they got to play LSU again. Right. And LSU similarly is like, is really riding high off pretty good, pretty good season overall, despite like that early stumble, um, uh, a lot of positive momentum. And then you're going to get Clemson. Uh, I think that's week four. Yeah, Florida State on the road. And at, at that point, like you're going to kind of know at that point if they have you will you will sort of know like where they are on. Because other than that, there are there's nothing on this list on this schedule that sort of says like, OK, this should be like the thing that tilts it one way or the other. And maybe something will turn. Maybe, you know. Maybe Duke is even better than last year, and that's an that's a that's a super important ACC matchup. Who knows? Maybe but, Mario Cristobal's got it figured out. Maybe. Uh, maybe. What about Billy Napier? What about Billy Napier in the swamp? 
This year doesn't count. I'm not worried. No, we're not talking. (laughs) I mean, look, look, but that's the thing because that game is so late by the time you get to that, we will have already known whether what both Florida and Florida state are at this point. But like as, at least as far as Florida state hype seasons go, this is not going to be one of those where it's like, well, they're seven and zero, but like they've somehow played Wake Forest four times, and <laughs> it's not that Michigan know. schedule, right? It's yes, not that Michigan right. schedule where there's nothing before. It's like brutal, a, right. a desert before November, right? Which right. I mean, I think Michigan should be pretty good this year, but like, I don't know, man. When I when I look at a schedule like that where there is just bereft of any sort of challenge before what is the Penn State game like the the second week of October November mm-hmm. oh yeah November I think it's no I think it's no last year it was November they didn't have a single challenge I I mean it might be the same this year but like I don't know it how how is that fun for a fan I guess racking up easy dubs is fun well I mean Michigan has been a suffering fan base and this isn't like trying to pile on Michigan because we hate them because I mean we do hate them but I mean They've had some pretty crap seasons, and 2020 itself is would have been enough to just like jump ship completely. So yeah. just winning, like the look, we just look at the Brian Kelly era, right? That's when we took over our ACC deal. Like we're racking up dubs left and right off of AC, you know, off of all these ACC teams, and we're coming out. Notre Dame is winning double digit, you know, win seasons. And so, like, how do you know how do we feel about that? Well, we felt pretty good. So I imagine Michigan probably. Feels pretty yeah. good about themselves. And I mean, they haven't played a uh, the the curious thing is they haven't played an out of conference game on the road since they played Notre Dame on the road in 2018. They haven't played a road <laughs> out of conference game, which uh, Ryan, they're I'm just sure doing you're the, they're doing the Georgia. They're doing the no, Northern they're doing Georgia. The, they're, they're doing the Florida. Florida. They're doing right. the Florida. Oh, yeah. 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 Which, I believe this is the year, right? That Flor- is, Florida's going to Utah. Yeah. Florida's going to Utah. This is, yeah. and I think, what, what is it? 91, 92? It's something like, it's, it's early it's like, 90s. It's like, Syri- it's, it's Syracuse and it's, yeah, it's, it's early. That early. still doesn't match what George, Which, before Georgia came to South Bend in, in 2017, Georgia hadn't been out of the Southeast except for maybe Colorado once. Like in Yeah. Third- but like even, even Georgia would schedule Clemson and I understand it's still in the Southeast, but like Florida wasn't going anywhere. They, no, they didn't leave true. the state. True. Like Miami was the most that they would do. Yes. They did. They, I, I believe the thing, the statistic is that they did not leave the state for an out of conference game. Not, uh, not, they, they played like, uh, they played Michigan in, in Arlington, Arlington. They, they played one yeah. of those, but they neutral, didn't, that's a they neutral. didn't play a true road game. Yeah. Uh, yes. Th- this is a hundred percent correct. And, and what's weird is that like Michigan, you, I'm looking at Michigan's future schedule and they, they will start picking this up again. Eventually. Yeah, I think Oklahoma and Texas jump on there. Yeah, they've got Texas in 24 and 27. They've got Oklahoma in between there. Obviously, those are like – that's maybe not – Some SEC opponents, right? Yeah, it's a little different from what they maybe thought they were getting into. Uh, Notre Dame is going to come back on the schedule. I think they've got like Washington on here. Or yeah, right. But like Michigan used to do this yeah. pretty regularly. And I mean, I th- they'd open the season with Notre Dame and yes, and, um, yes, uh, you know, infamously the year they lose to App State, I think it's the next week they lose to Oregon, and um, 
don't don't uh, we don't need to mention what happened week three because that uh, <laughs> it's fine. Uh, we, we don't need to mention week three how they got off the schneid. Uh huh. Uh huh. Yeah, um, yeah, we don't need to mention that one. But like, what is look? Put the, the conference the conference schedule is its own thing, and and yeah. I have my own thoughts on like there is an entertainment question about like who is who if TV is king now, who on earth has decided like yes. These are the games that we should put one of our biggest brands in for most of the like I don't get it, but um, other you know other than that it's just sort of like what incentive does Michigan have to do? And that's to a do big stadium, thing? yeah. To like packing people for a bullshit game. But but you know what? I bet it's a lot easier to do after you're like you know what we've won two consecutive right. Big Ten championships. We just yeah. we've we've been to the playoffs. In back-to-back years, we're returning one of the nation's best running backs, maybe the best. The best. And the best. The best, yeah. the best yeah. tandem for sure. Yes, definitely. Yes. And like, I think it is weird. You know, as 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 bad as the ticket may be, maybe it is easier to say like, "Yep, you're going to come to Michigan football this year on the strength of what we have built," rather than. Oh, we've got a lot of good marquee opponents. P.S. We might lose to them. And that's sort you, of like you want to come for a good time, right? Like this is like the yeah. Party. I think that's kind like of what they're coming going to the for. crime. You're not coming to like the mystery crime novel party. You're just coming for the fifty <laughs> kicker, right? Right. Right. Like you got to work for this. You don't got to work for this good time, buddy. You right. just sit down, right. keep pouring. We're gonna have a great time. Yes. Yes. This we're not holding a cooking class here. You're not gonna learn anything. <laughs> <laughs> I just, it's just, I don't know. The reason why we, we harp on it so much is just, it's so, it's just not interesting. It's just so like bland and boring. But again, who, a, who started all this shit? The SEC was the, the was the conference <laughs> right, that with the, started with SoCon Saturday and with yeah. like the SEC was the first one to pull back and say like, what if we didn't, you know, randomly schedule Oklahoma and uh ohio state you know what if we didn't do that and and those are those games are exceedingly rare now other than obviously the sec has a bunch of permanent acc opponents and they kind of get to coast on that a little bit but like the non-conference games that the sec plays with the exception usually of alabama because they're like we are big enough and mean enough that we don't give a shit tend to be pretty uh, lackluster. How how funny is it for like, you know, you get you get to you get to see Florida State every year, right? Yeah, and yeah. South Carolina fans get to see Clemson every year, yeah, right? Yeah. Uh, Georgia fans get to see Georgia Tech every yeah. year. It's like yeah. Yeah. that doesn't quite that doesn't quite uh, <laughs> that's not really an apples. No. It's my all-time sleeping giant. Georgia Tech is one of my all-time sleeping giants. But buddy <laughs> I, I think I think they might be sleeping on the farm upstate. <laughs> I, I thought he, that they would one of these days, one of these days the bees are gonna wake up. I don't know. I don't know where. I think it was on Sirius. I heard it. Uh, somebody was talking about like, why can't this school from Alabama or from Atlanta from, be good, yeah. right? Yeah. And I guess their engineering schools are are tough. Well, not only that, but like you have to take engineering court. Like you have yes. to major in engineering. Yes. Which disqualifies almost everyone. Yeah. That everything else to. about everything else about the Georgia Tech football program right now, especially as good as the high school football is yeah, in and around that area. Just screams 
we can be better than the Georgia Bulldogs if it wasn't for engineering. <laughs> yeah, you know? engineering yeah. and Russell Athletic uh, putting a honeycomb. Well, on they, 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 that's in the past. That's in the past, Brendan. It's it's also hard because like look there are other schools that sort of like can punch above their weight and the ACC has has plenty of them frankly, but I think to do that you need to show some demonstrated track record of like a we can put talented dudes in the league and like who when is the last time you looked at Georgia who who's like the most notable recent Georgia Tech grad in the league? Calvin Johnson. Johnson. Who has been retired for like six years now. Yeah. Oh, what about, what about Philip? What about Philip Wheeler? No, 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 no. Come on. Come on, man. It's, come on. It's got, the, the list. Come on, Philip begins, Wheeler. I, I think if you're going to look at schools like the, the primary school, when I look at a program that in the last decade that has risen to the heights that they should not have risen to, I think of Michigan State. Their sure. run from 2010 to 2015 of averaging 11 wins a season, yep. multiple Big Ten titles, beating yeah. Ohio State in Big Ten title games and in the regular season to keep them from going to title games with that Ohio State team. The, you know, the 2015 team was probably the best team in college football. Um, yeah, I, I just the, the only one I can think of that that's done it like a like a Georgia Tech could is Michigan State, where they punched above their weight class. Um, I don't know. Wisconsin, Wisconsin's done it. But Wisconsin long, never made a playoff. For a long never, time. Yeah, but, no, but I mean, right, they but never just, had the heights that, that Michigan State had, true, right? True, true. But I mean, they, they, they've run. been consistently punching above their weight. I mean, why is it Iowa? I mean, every NFL, I mean, they're just pumping in NFL they players. Are, I, well, yeah, you're Green Bay Packers. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I don't want to talk about the Detroit Colton. Lions. The Detroit Lions were like, you know what? <laughs> Two of our first three picks are going to be Iowa players. They're like, you know what? If Philadelphia wants to go with Georgia, we're going to take Iowa. <laughs> yeah, we're going to build the Iowa of the NFL. <laughs> See how that works. But like, but I mean, Iowa's put a ton of dudes into the league. You know what I mean? Like, Iowa's do. a really good example of sort of like, there's not, there's not necessarily a ton on no paper that you're like, oh, I should go play here. But if 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 part of your goal is to go get to the NFL, like. Iowa makes a pretty interesting case for a certain kind of player. They put a white cornerback in the league. <laughs> I mean, I mean that, I mean that alone right there. I'm just saying that's pretty fucking incredible. Yeah. That's the most Iowa thing that can happen. There's, it happened. There's not a lot of places that could do it. I think the, the last person was a uh, uh, former Shasta and USC alum, Jason Seahorn. Right. The, yeah. Jason right. Seahorn I mean, it was, was the last yeah. white uh, and shit, that was what course. twenty years ago, and they did a sixty-minute special on it. Yeah, <laughs> I mean that's how that's how rare this is. Yeah, it, there, yep, there's Iowa doing it, yeah. and yet here we go. Here's Iowa with seven or eight wins and scoring ten points a game. Like, how is this even? How's this add up? Hey, this year, this year they got to get the number up though. This year it's time to unleash the Kate dragon. Mac, Kate McNamara, Kate <laughs> is about to turn that program around. <laughs> I'll tell you what, though, Kate McNamara would have beat TCU. <laughs> wow. wow, I'll go with that. Wow. So, you know, we're so we're sitting there and we're saying, all right, we're just we're, everyone's here for the good time. This is why we're playing these shit teams. But so all this conference realignment and adding teams like the SEC, you know, adding Texas, Oklahoma, that's fucking huge. You look at that league, you know, now with the, with, the, with those two schools in it, that's brutal, right? That looks tough. Mm-hmm. But everyone keep, but no one wants to back up. Like 
with the conference games. It's always like, yeah, we'll play them maybe like eight years down the road. Right. Kind of a thing. Like, like none of this conference, like conference realignment was promising people more better games. And instead it's, it's actually gone the opposite route because everybody knows like it, it was like, everyone's like, well, you need these good games to get in the playoffs, which is a total fucking lie. You just need to go undefeated or have one, one dumb loss in conference and win your conference championship or one dumb loss and not go to your conference championship game, but still get in the playoffs. Like there's, you don't need these tough out of conference games. So the promise of all these, these conference realignment, all these big teams coming in is that you're going to get more better games. It's like, it's Andy Staples, like his big mantra right now, but are we really going to get that? Or are we just going to be a bigger mix of the same, uh, uh, you know, of the same number of them? I mean, there, the truth of the matter is like, I think there's no way to tell because the only consistent thing with conference realignment at this point is that it really never shakes out in almost any case with maybe like some, some negative examples here. Like nobody, everybody was like, yeah, Rutgers is probably going to struggle in the big 10 and look at that. They sure have. (laughs) Um, But most of the time, like Nebraska moving to the big 10, I think even people who were not, you know, drinking uh, the Lincoln Kool-Aid were, we're very much like, okay, this should be a place where given the setup and given the landscape, should Nebraska be should be like doing, it should, should be a, a power player in this conference. But they had well. a ditch. They had ditch all of their Texas r- roots they did. to do that. They which did. Sc- yes. Which completely screwed the program over. That's yes. why they are where they are now. Yes. Um, I don't think anybody necessarily would have said like, Oh, Utah is going to morph into a like, consistently competitive uh, part of the Pac-12. I think people definitely thought, oh, Texas A&M is going to come into the SEC, and once they find their footing, they're going to become like a perennial sort of like LSU. Contender. Yeah, right. And like – No one saw Missouri come in that first year. Nobody saw Missouri coming (laughs) the first two years. Yeah, Um, yeah. So like – I'll at least reserve judgment as to how it's all going to shake out because so much of it depends on like, you know, you don't know what individual programs are going to look like or how they're, you know, that's especially the way what Utah, I I would say like, even going back to like Penn state, Utah is the biggest winner of conference realignment. I would argue that since they joined the PAC 12, they're this probably second best team in that conference over that period of time. But do you Uh, think that's because of the way they play? I mean, right. This, I mean, like, brought up Stanford. I mean, why, why, why was Stanford able to be like king of the pack of the pack 12 and keep taking out Oregon? It's because they were just like physically tough fights. Yeah. Like just beat the shit out of them. And Utah is more of that. Utah is more of a big 10 team than a pack 12 team. There's, and, I think there's some truth to that. I think also they just lean on them. Utah has benefited from, uh, p- continuity at the program in a way like, how many like, different Pac-12 coaches have we seen in the last five years? You know, right? How long like, has Will? All, how long, all how long has Whittingham stayed there? How long has he been there? Like fifteen he, years now. He would have come in. Um, he was right. At, he he succeeded Urban Meyer, so that would have been two thousand five, I think. Do you know, you know what's funny about that is, do you know which coach would be a model of consistency in that same time frame? It would be uh, Chip Kelly at UCLA. Sure. Right. Yeah. I mean, if you're looking yeah. at like 
consistency at the Pac-12 coaching level, like yeah. Chip Kelly, but at UCLA. Yes, right, right. Because <laughs> right. everybody else, I mean, everything else outside of, you know, Utah has just been a churn. Yes. Well, would have been would have been David Shaw up yeah, until just you know the would have been which he needed uh, to go, but like yes. yeah. But so so to get back to your the to the other part of the question, I think part of what's going on with the super conferences is less so like, I mean, yeah, I think there's some there's there obviously there's the like we're putting together TV inventory and if right. we can bundle bigger sexier names in that, we'll extract more money from it. But I think the other part of it is that everybody's saying like, well, hold on, sure we can get our conference champion in the playoff, no matter what, as long as they aren't saddled with like two or three losses and we can do the scheduling things you're talking about to make sure that's not the case. But I think now everybody's saying like, well, we don't want one. We want two. If we're going to expand the playoff, (laughs) we want three. Like, I think a lot of this is geared towards if we can, if you, if you are the sec and you know, man, Oklahoma's just always getting a playoff spot. Just like one of the most consistent playoff participants since we started the damn thing. At some point, you sort of say like, well, why shouldn't we just have that money? Like, why shouldn't we? If if why shouldn't we improve our chances of getting a second team and having it be Oklahoma rather than having to sort of argue over like, well, this one loss team that didn't even make the SEC championship should get in over the Big Twelve? Like, no. I think it's I think it's it's a way to sort of just say we want to grab as much playoff real estate as possible and expansion is frankly the easiest way to do that. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Yeah, if you if you are expanding through that lens and you, it's not the Jim Delaney method of expansion. Right. Where <laughs> expanding through like, well, I need Delaney's that New York method media all market. About yeah. subscriptions, it was media which, markets. Yeah. Yes, I need yes, that, yes. that DC media market. So let's get Maryland. And I need yes. that, that New York. I, I'm convinced that that if the big 10 would have made overtures towards the, the West earlier um, than they did now, instead of, you know, Right, because the during that expansion expansion talk, it was mm. what, what were they saying? It was the 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 Big Twelve was getting poached to the the Pac twelve, right? Well, Texas Texas and the Big Ten was a big one for a while. Yeah, Texas. Like that was like, that was a, that was hot one, but that that was back when they when they just thought the Longhorn Network was going to be as big as HBO, you know? Right. So they they didn't right. want to do anything about right about all that. It wasn't. 
I I'll have to double check and see if I have the Longhorn Network, but I'll get back. I, I don't. Th- I don't think I've ever watched anything on the Longhorn Network, and I pay far too much for what I for my cable package or my my streaming package. It's it's funny to me too because, and I think I assume you'll agree with this. The whole discussion about conferences now has become entirely a question about television money. Like, right. like we have abandoned any pretense of like who should be in this conference because of history or geography or fit. cultural fit or this, that, and the, yeah, like none of that shit. We don't even bother with that anymore. We've sort of just said like, well, if we're going to do it this way, it's now just a, we're, we're just playing monopoly and we're just trying to accumulate as many properties as possible. And so Notre Dame's place in this whole equation has morphed from, you know, is Notre Dame a cultural fit for any of these things? You know, like all of that. And it's just like, are what did they do to the TV money? How does the TV money compare to their current deal? Like it's, it's, it's a it, like by its own terms, I guess what I'm saying is like the conferences have abandoned the idea that they mean anything other than as a television consortium. Yeah, that's a, that's that's perfectly what it is now. I mean, that's so, it. So would it be fair to say that then from the TV perspective and I guess from conference perspective mm-hmm. that whatever if if Notre Dame decided to at some point dip in the toes and join a conference, that's yeah. that's the moment that the Rubic that's the crossing of the Rubicon. That if Notre Dame were to ever join a specific conference, all bets were off and, and that basically heralds the beginning of the end of college football as, you know, as a sort of guilty thing. Entity, yeah. Notre, yeah. Notre Dame is basically holding it together for everybody out there, right? <laughs> 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 I mean, it, it's so much. Yeah, I mean, if, if Notre Dame were to ever to do that, then what sort of um, haughtiness or uh, morals would anyone like? Everyone else would say, "Well, if Notre Dame is gonna do it, then like, fuck it, let's let's just go all in and let's become a you know a feeder league for the NFL." I right? I have a hard like. You may be right. I, I really am having a hard time getting over USC and UCLA are in the Big Ten. That's as, tough. Like, Very to difficult. Me, to me, that is the one that feels – because almost almost all the other ones, you can kind of see the logic to them. Even even Maryland – Even Oregon and Washington, though? Like if it well, been no, 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 no. I mean like it? all the ones we've done previously. Oh, it's happened. Yeah, okay. The Penn okay. States and the, the Nebraska, yes. the Missouri. Yes. The like, I can, you're sort of like – hell – even West Virginia in the Big 12, you can understand that from the perspective of they were on a sinking ship and they had they to go somewhere and that's who invited them. Oh, you're talking – Because they should have gone to the ACC. You're talking about the Big 12 or, the, or West Virginia itself because they were both in the same boat. Yeah, I they mean – They should have yeah, gone to the yeah. ACC and followed yeah. Pitt. But, yeah. but they made the, the – yeah. Well, the ACC like, would take them. Yeah. And like Cincinnati and UCF jumping to the Big 12 now and BYU, it's just that makes like sense. they've wanted know. to do that for right. a decade, right? Basically, right. since the Big East fell, right? Right. Cincinnati and has been wanting to get there. And so, but but USC and UCLA is just so it's it runs counter to like everything we think we understand about the sport and how it works. Like even, even Texas and Oklahoma, you can be like, all right, well now they're with like a bunch of their old, 
Southwest Conference bros. Yeah. Like there, there, there. You can see, the and they're still together. All of a, yes. all of a sudden, the 1996 Rose Bowl is being played in in September. Right. 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 That that's it's, what that's what's happened now. Is, yes. Is taken you know perennial Rose Bowl teams and then moved them into the conference that they. It, it, yeah. It, it is. It's that's like cats and dogs. Yes. Yes. It, and that is, I think, like yes, Notre Dame will be another nail in the coffin if they join a conference. But the the weirdest, I, I it feels like the turning point. If it is a turning point, will be. Oh yeah, these two Southern California schools decided to be in the Big Ten. Like that is the point where you're sort of like, well, what do these labels mean? They don't mean anything anymore. It's and that's maybe that's fine, but it does ultimately sort of, to your point, eliminate this what makes this special and weird, or it, it really reduces it at this because so, at some point we're just going to be like, yeah, it's a bunch of like hyper, it's two hyper professional conferences. This weird Big Twelve ACC second tier and the service academies, so, and so, probably Notre Dame. Yeah, so just kind of like if you, I, right? I kind of feel like you fall into the category with like with Brendan and I of like we like the weird shit, right? Like yes. we like college yeah. football for what for what it is given. So what we've seen, you know, is is this giant push by national beat writers by by team beat writers with a, with a national voice of all this kind of like pushing towards something that's different than what we've all been, all been used to just as a personal question. Do you, do you feel like kind of like a personal responsibility, uh, you know, as, as you know, part of the, part of one of the, the internet's only college football podcast, <laughs> you know, I mean, like, do you kind of feel like a personal responsibility to like, to be like the old man, like telling the tales, like to, to make sure shit's still running. Like I kind of feel like as far as like for Notre Dame goes, we, I, ha- I feel that in a sense, I'm not making myself out to be that important, but in a way it's like, I'm probably never going to not talk about this. Right. And I'm going to feel about this the same way. And I'm going to make sure anybody that listens to us or reads our, your reads our website knows that there is a lot of stuff out there in college football that is, a lot of fun and a lot more interesting than just debating about who's a Heisman contender in week five. Yes. And all this yes. other shit. And that actually, oh, even that's, even that's still falls in the category of old school. But I mean, this whole thing about, I mean, I just don't care about constantly pushing it. it should be four teams. Should it be eight teams. Right. We needed 16 teams. Like, no, I mean, I'll go. I'd like to go back to the, when it was 1990, and let's just let's just let let's just let it, you know, let's have a couple of national champions. Let's yeah. bowl a lot. Bring back the bull alliance, me. or at least the BCS. <laughs> Do you listen? Think? If Chat GPS can pass the bar exam, I'm pretty That's sure right. they can they can select right. the two best teams in college football. That I is mean, a good plan. I've made a huge brand out of us claiming that Notre Dame has 22 national champions, and I'm including the, the 2012 uh, Coley Index as well. I mean, (laughs) if Alabama can do it, we can fucking do it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so do you feel that kind of personal responsibility? I mean, not to get too deep into how you, into your feelings, Yeah. but I mean, it's been a huge part of your life as it has been our life for, for many, many years. And it's kind of like, all right, now we're, we're creep. I'm in my mid forties. I don't know. sure how old you are creeping into your forties. But now it's like, all right, we're the old man on the hill. I'm going to, for the record, I'm 27 years old. No. Um, yeah, no, I get, I, I, I get what you're saying. And I think like, 
I think there's some here. Here's sort of where I come at it from, and this is not a very uh, this this is not favorable to Notre Dame, but it's not specific to Notre Dame. To me, one of the appeals of college sports and college football in particular is that it is one of the only athletic realms where you don't know who's going to win solely based on resources. Like the NFL is very entertaining, but it is set up so that everybody is working with roughly the same pot. You have a salary cap, you have a salary floor, you know, you have minimum rosters, maximum roster. You have all these, these tools that are basically, and, and everybody's rich. Like there is no, uh, there is no Louisiana Monroe, yeah. Monroe yeah. of of the NFL. They're just like it's the Raiders at this point, and they're doing fine. Um, <laughs> and and while that makes for really interesting it, for really high level football, it doesn't lead to anything meaningful in terms of like oh this is an upset because it's just like here are well you know here are well oiled machines crashing into each other, and. College football still has the potential for App State to beat Texas A&M, which are on very different sides of the revenue spectrum, the fan base spectrum. Like in every way, the recruiting spectrum. Troy, and- Troy beating LSU. Remember that sure. one? Sure. That that was a that's an under underrated upset. Tulane beating USC. In Tulane a beating USC in a bowl game in which UCLA brought or uh, USC brought everybody to the party. It's not like right. Caleb Williams right. didn't play in that football right. game. Right. Right. Like, Eastern Michigan uh, beating Arizona State and then in Herb Edwards' career. I mean, like this. This is what is to me. This is what's appealing is that it is a place where if you are a blue blood and if you are if you are moneyed, you have to watch your back. You're not safe. You're just not like, but I, but I, I, I watched Notre Dame lose to USF. That's a thing. We watched that Notre Dame lost to Marshall. This sure. Year. <laughs> right. Right. We, right. We watched Tyler Buckner, the, the future the Alabama per, starter, future Alabama starter, basically shit the bed against right. Marshall. Right. And, uh, and like, this is true for every team in FBS, the, the no matter how Nick storied Saban, your history who, who is. Who was uh? What was the team that uh, Nick Saban caught the um? Louisiana Monroe. Louisiana yeah. Monroe, which is Monroe. now like one of the brokest teams in college football. Yeah, his first season. But, yeah, but might have a better library than LSU right now. Right. He's got uh, Louisiana Monroe's got a better record against uh, Alabama and Nick Saban than their name does right now. So <laughs> like, they sure do. They sure like, do. And, and so to me, this is this is what makes it appealing is that you have. This is one of the last places in sports, in team sports at least, where David still gets to punch Goliath in the gut from time to time. Like most of the time, yeah, Marshall is not going to win the national championship. TCU, great story, did not, you know, functionally wasn't on the field against Georgia. (laughs) But still, they got their moment against Michigan. Though though sometimes – Goliath does get to rise from the grave like LeGarrette Blunt and punch <laughs> David back in the face after he's already been filmed. <laughs> and that's, you know what? That also college football. Too. That would that never happen in the too. NFL. Yes, Love it. right, right. And, and, and I think ultimately what uh, the bifurcation of college football is going to lead to is the elimination of that. A, because 
the gap is going to grow too large. You're going to say like, well, this, you know, we have a set of schools that are making this much hundred million in their TV contracts and they can hire 50 analysts and they can spend this much on NIL and, you know, they're just, they're just in a different league and there's everybody else who is basically playing like shiny D2 football. So that's going to be part of it. And then the other part of it is like, they're not going to cross, like they're just not going to cross paths anymore. Like it, it, when you have these super leagues, two out of conference are, games, right? Is right. it going to be two out of conference games? Yes. I, I think eventually that's where it's going to go. And it's going to be, okay. You have, you know, some of you have your South Carolina, you have your Clemson. Um, so you've got that. And then, but they also your, have to play like Furman. I think right. State, state laws come into play. Yes. Yes. <laughs> sure. Sure. Uh, uh, Iowa and Iowa state have to rotate playing Northern Iowa. Like, yeah, sure. So I, I, yeah, I just, I guess that's what I worry about is that it's maybe, I, maybe Andy is right. And we're going to see more good games, but I think that may come at the cost of the weird games that on paper didn't look like they would be good. And maybe went stupid, like Michigan App State, not to harp on it, a lot of shit goes wrong in that game. Michigan App State is not the story of like, wow, these are two teams that both were playing at the highest level. Oh, and App State just like – One team sh- showed up extremely high, Yes, uh, if you yes. believe certain reports in the Michigan yes. Daily. Right. Uh, and there's blocked blocked kicks and all sorts of like missed kicks, like ridiculousness. Yes, yes. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I mean, like, I would rather it stay weird, but I don't know. Now I feel like I'm talking about, like, Nashville or Austin or something, and I'm, I'm mad that Amazon is coming to town or something. Right. So <laughs> we're we're looking at a future, like, barren of blood weeks, right? I think like, so. Yeah. Like that's, I mean. That's a fucking, that's a, the, one of the best things about the college football season is, like, finding out when blood week is going to happen. It's going right. to happen. You might right. even get two right. or one and a half, yeah. but there's going to be one. But if you yeah. take away the opportunities for that, you could have seasons go by without it. And that's – fuck, man. That's not fun. Yeah, and and like – I don't know. I all, The trickle-down effect is going to be shit where you – you're going to – I bet in a few years you're going to look at the top 25 and you're going to just be like, well, it's just these teams from these two conferences. Like maybe, you know, there's like one or two other schools sprinkled in here. But like functionally, there will I think there will be a sort of um groupthink product where it sort of says, like, well, the Big Ten and the SEC make the most money, therefore they have the best conference right. the best football, and therefore they have the best football teams. And so we're not gonna pay attention to Coastal Carolina or BYU when they're good or Oregon State or like we're just going to be like no you you don't play in you're not in the right club and so we don't care anymore. Well, that's kind of how it to an extent how it goes now with with front loading or I guess back loading schedules with yeah. a lot of these schools where you know if you back load your schedule I mean you beat the numbers. You know, 15 ranked team because the number 15 ranked team hadn't played anybody yet. And they only dropped to 20. And right. then like, it, it just sort of, you know, it, you, you recycle the sort of pieces 
because nobody's playing anybody on the front end. Right. Uh, but that's the part of, but that's the, maybe that's the part of college football that we'll always have. Right. Yeah. Like, we'll always have, like that. we'll always have a false. We've had, we have that as a, teams are because, yeah. right. Because of, you know, based off week to week, like the team that you think is good, it might take you eight weeks to figure out like, Oh, actually they're shit. Uh, they just, <laughs> they just didn't show their ass yet. I'm, uh, I'm curious if we're going to like, if, if the way it's going, if we're going to care about the week, because like, look, yeah, we got power rankings and whatever in the NFL, but nobody is like really living and dying week to week in the NFL about like, where do we stay? Where are we in the standings? Not until you get to like, I don't know, November and, yeah, and you're no, really November's starting to look November. at like, what are the playoff ranks? You know, where, where, what's the playoff picture? But like, if you come out of the gate, I don't know, four and oh in the NFL, it's like, that's cool. It doesn't mean anybody thinks you're the best team necessarily. And, no. and no, and it doesn't matter. No, I think, I, I believe it was, uh, there was a season, um, uh, the Detroit lions started six and two, right. And then uh, they played the New York Giants, and they got smoked by the Giants. And Michael Strahan had the famous quote: "He goes, this is the worst six and two team that I've ever played." <laughs> and the Lions proceeded to win zero games the rest of the year, like six and ten. <laughs> classic NFL, right? That's perfect. I just, uh, so I, I can see that happening, and I mean, it does happen in college football all the time, where yeah. you see a team rattle off wins and then just. You know, yeah. yeah. Peter's out there. I mean, that happened in Notre Dame in 2014, right? They played the oh game God, yeah. against Florida State where they they, they beat Florida State mm-hmm. in that football game. Mm-hmm. That was not a pick play. I but mean, the officials said otherwise. <laughs> yes. The officials said otherwise. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, they scored the game winning touchdown in that game. And then after that, and game, then proceeded. I'll admit it. I was also mad that that, that call went that way. <laughs> <laughs> I can understand why. Yeah. But um, the real question is, were <laughs> were we mad at that call or mad at Notre Dame for getting their asses handed to them the rest of the season? The rest of the season. I mean, the, the wheels after that game. I mean, it was just like that, Michael Strahan. Like, which made wheels. you think about how good Florida State actually was. Like, yeah, like and maybe that should, maybe it shouldn't I mean, have been that. Close. That was the narrative in 2014, right? Is it like Florida State? Florida State could just, not lose. Yeah, they were screwed. living on the on the. Edge. Well, it was. They were, they they did it first, and then Clemson's done it ever since. Because I mean, yeah. Clemson's lived on that on that ledge on the knife's edge, yeah, yeah, quite a bit. Where they there wasn't any room for error. But I mean, that's the ACC. That's the South Carolina State Legislature's law. I mean, it's <laughs> it's that, that's that's the deal. That, that's the hand they were dealt. Uh, and Dabo Dabo's done all right with it. But uh, Jimbo said otherwise and bolted a. For greener pastures in College Station, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. They're very green pastures. I uh... <laughs> a green in a briefcase, anyways. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, Ryan, we've kept you on for for a b- better part of an hour here, so I think we can uh, let you get back to your family uh, and stop talking to us two crazy idiots. So I want to thank you very much for taking the time to come and bullshit with us, and uh, hopefully we can do this again here for too long. Thank you for having me. I'm. Uh, I feel like we solved all of college football's problems. So good job, us. Yeah, good job. Um, quick question. I mean, I'm gonna title. Yeah, I'm yeah. gonna title it that way. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. That's the yeah. title of the podcast. Brian, give probably. me, give me your five most overrated teams going into the season. Everybody's giving me power rankings. Give me your five most overrated teams going into 2023. Wow. Um, 
okay, uh, this is definitely never going to come bite me. Ready for the hate mail? In any way, shape, or form. Um, uh, at Celebrity Hot Tub on Twitter. Yeah. Let's let's throw Penn State. This is in no particular order. Let's throw Penn State in there. Okay. Like you know, uh, this is just a thing we do. We get all hyped up for Penn State. Um, I agree. And then you know they win ten games. Yep. yep, they win ten games, and that's great. You know, a lot of listen. They lose to Michigan and they lose to Ohio State. Yep. I would I would love to root for a ten win Florida at this point. So no shade. Um, let's throw Texas in this pile as well for similar reasons. <laughs> I think that just feels easy. Um, South Carolina, South Carolina is a team that had a great had had a good year last year. Got some good wins. Beat Clemson finally, did the uh, playoff a bunch of favors by no- uh, knocking off Clemson and Tennessee. Ruined Hendon uh, Hooker, yeah. He ruined Hendon Hooker, which is not cool, but like, no. but, but, oh, and, and people are really like, Shane Beamer's got something cooking. And part of me, and this is, it has nothing to do with Shane Beamer. It's like, sometimes the South Carol- Carolinian ness has to shine through. Like South Carolina is not a program that I think does super well with expectations. So make them my third. Um, I need a West coast team. I actually feel okay about USC. What about Oregon? Point. Oh, I don't, I feel, are, are we that hyped about Oregon at this point? They got Bo Nix. I mean, Bo Nix is like fourth on the Heisman odds right now. Yeah. He's all right. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I guess I, I'll, I'll go with Oregon only because like, I think if I have to pick, uh, I know the North doesn't exist anymore, but if it did, uh, I think I like Washington better. And I think, uh, I think that's a more interesting team coming out of the PAC 12 right now. And Utah is still going to be, I think the, the Mashin. Uh, team that they are and then you know what let's just throw Ole Miss in, on the fire here like I think hmm. I think we I have I I am starting to have some feeling about like is this ever going to be the thing that everybody in Oxford wants it to be like there have been too many times where at this point too many times where Lane and Ole Miss have a marquee game and it's not just that they don't win. It's just like, yeah, it didn't really feel like they were in it guys. And maybe I'll be wrong. They have like, they have an awesome running back as well. And, uh, see now you're going to have Alex McDaniel on your call sheet. So you're saying, oh, so you're saying like that's new. Like that's new. <laughs> you're saying that, that potentially Ole Miss could, could score very early on a long touchdown throw and then things don't happen to work out the correct, rest of the game. Correct. Correct. Plus, I don't know. If, I assume you all saw this today. Uh, HBO max. I know it's just max now, but I'm not calling it that has a docu series coming out about um, sorority rush at Alabama. And I very feel hot, like that's very hot. TikTok trend. I feel like that's really going to throw Ole Miss off that they are not the subject of that documentary. I feel like that is really going to like – They should have just – question themselves. Is there, a Greek, just, is there a Greek like, inferiority complex between Ole Miss and Bama? There is now. Like, Ole Miss feel like well, they're now, yeah. They should have just – Netflix will come out with one and it will just be called Freshwater. <laughs> <laughs> and it'll be that picture of uh, Lane Kiffin pulling the sunglasses down. Just I'd watch right the shit out of that. I would watch. I would watch it so fast. That's right. That's right. 
<laughs> just fresh water. Uh, oh, that, that's a hell of a name for a show. So yeah. Now that the, wait, is the writer strike still going on? Brendan, you might have crossed the picket line, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, you better watch. Hey, you better watch GPT. the fuck out. I've, I've already, I'm already queuing in the chat. GPT. He hasn't, he hasn't sold the idea yet. He's I holding the idea in a bay. He's holding, holding the on. idea for now. Ah, <laughs> uh, shoot. All right, Ryan. Thank you so much, and uh, and have fun over there. Tell uh, tell Holly one day I'll have big enough balls to invite her on the show. All right, uh, I'll but, let her know. I'll see we'll what see. I can do on your behalf. Thank you, thank you both for having me on. I appreciate it. All right, but oh, it's always a pleasure. All right, take care. All right. Well, once again, I want to thank uh, Ryan for coming on the show and uh, and talking to Brendan and I. That was, uh, I, I think we figured out how to save college football, uh, and that's probably just going to be like more of these and probably a thirty pack of PBR uh, and other such items. Uh, you ch- you pick. Uh, but just want to thank you guys for coming along for that ride. Uh, reminded everybody, get on over to Apple Podcasts. Please leave a rating. Please leave a, re- a review. Any review that you leave, we will read word for word on the next Earn 5 Star Podcast, uh, which is you know the best way for you to become a part of this show. Uh, and we really we strongly encourage you uh, to do that. So for Brendan... For our missing partner, Jude, tonight, and for everybody over at One Foot Down, thank you for listening, and as always, go Irish.